live for the First Strike Podcast. It's good to be back. Um, missed you guys a lot last week. Was really sick, despite sort of still be lurking in the shadows, trying to get the, the spoiler on the screen for Andy. Good job on hosting, by the way. Really appreciate it. Uh, before we start this episode, let's plug once again, facefacegames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. Um, today, we've got a full house and... One of my favorite guests on any podcast I ever do, my man, Shaheen Surani, who one year ago, almost exactly a year ago, was talking about how maybe KCI is broken, and now it's taken down the tournament, and uh, as usual, people are t- on Twitter are complaining about the deck. How's it going, Shaheen? It's going all right, man. It's uh, like last year, it felt you know, leaps and bounds higher than the rest of the format, like, as far as power level. Um, I think now it proves, like, with Matt Nass twice back-to-back Grand Prix, that even with Sony Silence, rest in peace, uh, Field of Hate, it's still just, you know, it's super, super good. And it's obviously gotten better since a year ago, uh, since Pascal played it. So, um, you know, it's, it's that deck where you're a turn three deck, and, you know, you win through Grudge, Colligan's Command like it's nothing. And um, if you're a turn three deck that does that, and you're an artifact-based deck, that's a, that's a problem. And it's also horrifically unfun to play against. I don't know if you played against it personally, um, but, you know, if you're not, especially if your opponent's not, like, jovial and laughing and joking around with you the whole time, um, at the Pro Tour, when I played against a few opponents that had English barriers, it's they're just stopping me at every single... Th- no, 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 how... Acre Wellspring, no, no, un- you, know, you know, it's one of those decks, and you're just... It's not really f- good for coverage, I don't think, after a long time. It's not going to be good for uh, gameplay, but does anyone really care about modern gameplay, to be honest? Like, interactivity? <laughs> well, maybe it's fine. <laughs> Never mind. Carry on. Uh, remind us again why it didn't go that well for you at, at the PT. Um, uh, so I, was se- I went 7-3. <laughs> I lost a match on camera because uh, game- I was up a game against Mono Red. Uh, I've said I played Icker Wellspring. Said go, drew Mox Opal, but I said go. I said Icker Wellspring go. Right, right. I remember the story now. Yeah, and I didn't. I I, wa- I didn't even ask to like say never mind. Try to take it back because they were pretty being pretty lenient. PT honestly with stuff like that. Um, but I've I've never really asked to, for a little take back action. So um, I passed. He played Eidolon of the Great Rebel. Uh, so <laughs> my turn. I'm holding Nature's Claim, but I can't cast it. So I untap, play Mox Opal, take two. Nature's claiming with my only green, take two. I can't Ancient Stirrings now. And he untaps, and, you know, the game ended because of that. I would have swept him. Um, that was a mistake. And the other two losses were to a uh, green-white deck that beat my face in with Rest in Peace and Sony Silence. Uh, he also had, he killed me game two because I could have comboed off, but then he had a, a Morph Creature, and I was at nine. And I'm like, I'm fine. He had, like, Noble Hierarch, Noble Hierarch, Morph Creature. I'm like, I'm good. I'm going to wait one turn to go off because he had, he had one, uh, two cards in hand, one unknown card. And he plays Resto Angel and blinks a Chroma, the red one. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? He <laughs> just slayed me. Like, I had no, like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, I'd never seen that deck before. Um, so, I mean, that was only game two, so it might not have, it might not have mattered. I got swept. And then I lost to another Sony Silence deck. So, like, um, every deck, I won every game one beside against, besides that green white deck. Every game one, I was nine and nine and one in game ones, um, and that's with people playing, you know, uh, counter spells, control decks, all that. 
my sideboard, I really like that Matt's not playing. The only change I would make to his deck is I, I don't know if he really tested the Blood Moon sideboard, but many of my matches at the PT were won by Blood Mooning um, games two and three. So, But beside that, I mean, the, the, the 7-3 is a pretty good record of the Pro Tour. It put me still in the running for, like, Instructed Master. I'm, like, way at the end of it. I'm, like, you know, tied for 10th or whatever. So if I have a really good Pro Tour, I can sneak in. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's a deck where... Uh, it was really good for the PT, and I didn't think it would be very good for Grand Prix because of the amount of Stony Silence, White Enchantment, Hate. Um, but, you know, Matt's and a master. And uh, one quick caveat to what he did last time, not this Grand Prix, the last top eight, is winning an opponent was very nervous. Like, he field of ruined an open uh, Inventor's Fair, and he just sacked it and killed him. And then he played, like, didn't play Jace on four when he had Rest in Peace up. He didn't cryptic command anything, and he lives like scrap trawler. Okay, he combo, 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 and then he tried to cryptic command something like eleven minutes later. <laughs> I was like, so the guy who didn't know what he was doing for the winning end, but um, you know, so like because those decks are supposed to beat you. Like those control decks are very good against KCX. These enchantments are so strong. So if if the guttural response sideboard is good enough, then this deck's this deck's scary, and that's the only ch- that's like um, you know, a, a, a big shift there. And the last part. The, the the last thing about the PT that didn't go well is the is the fun story of no one knew how the deck worked, self included. <laughs> After the Pro Tour, or at the end of the Pro Tour, Matt was talking to me, Sam Pardee, a couple of the East West Bowl guys, uh, the West West Side people. They were talking to me about the deck, and because they were they saw how well I was doing, I was X and two, and I lost the last round. So um, they saw, and then you know we were talking about the list. They were asking me how I thought it was really good, and they said they wanted to play it and they were going to tweak it. So um, no one knew, even in our discussions, that infinite mana was achieved and infinite cantrips from a scrap trawler and a mirror retriever alone. Those with one one drop in your hand and one in the grave is enough to draw your whole deck. So we didn't know you can go, you know, Chromax Star, uh, pay for Tyrannosaur by sacking both and producing four mana. We didn't know you could do that, and that produces an infinite loop. and if I knew that, I might have won a match that I lost. And also, you know, the deck is just obviously three notches higher on the power level chart. Okay, so you came away from uh, the PT uh, quite satisfied with the deck. And I guess it was just, like you, like you mentioned, people didn't know. And it was never, it was one of those fringe decks that were never really that popular. So I guess it was hard uh, for, for, for it to break out because there were only so many pilots. Um, Rob, how's it going? How's the second kid? I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm still alive. I uh, still have my sanity for now. Things are good. Okay. Everything good? Um, yeah. What, when you saw the list, you, you were tweeting about KCI. You were talking about how, how, how broken it is and that there were some significant improvements that were made in Matt Last's list over Shaheen's uh, list from the past as Shaheen shakes. I think he's shaking his head. I mean, we'll see if Shaheen can make a valid argument, but um, <laughs> I, on this, he can make a valid argument. I'd like to see him make a valid argument about what I would say. So uh, Matt Nass's list is, is extremely lean and using Pyrite Spellbomb as the engine to kill your opponent is just so much better than having Hangerback Walker, Sanctum of Ugin, and Emrakul in your deck. Because, like, those are, like, almost always a kill. 
but sometimes you know like very rare but sometimes they can get out of that uh if they have a lot of oh, life and a lot of a kill. sorry always a kill <laughs> i've had it once in like i don't know probably 40 games or something where i didn't kill my opponent and i was like why am i why am i playing the same reason why i don't play through the breach like in the, the blue red deck it's just like why am i playing a combo that sometimes doesn't kill my opponent it's it seems bad but like pirate spellbone just like fits into the deck it it allows you to 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 like cycle it to draw a card and when you have scrap trawler and you're not in kill your opponent mode it it allows you to like return a mox over and, and generate some mana and and go through your deck so it's like it's in the deck's game plan uh and you don't have to play sanctum of mugen which means you get to play buried ruin which is just i don't know like the whole deck and the pieces that replace everything's a strict upgrade and you get to play four mind stones as well which allows you to combo more regularly on turn three. I don't know. Th- this deck's a piece of art, and it looks a lot like am- like actual Amulet Bloom, not Amulet Titan, but like true Amulet Bloom decks in the way that it, it kind of plays and it's very hard to disrupt, although it's like super dead to a, a couple of cards if it doesn't have a Nature's Claim uh, in its hand. But it still doesn't matter because sometimes they just kill you on turn two or turn three. I mean... Some madness go off on like turn three, turn four pretty regularly, and he even killed someone on turn two. So just I don't know, very reminiscent of Amulet Bloom, and I feel like in the hands of very competent players, which will likely be the case for GP Toronto, um, if the meta is not able to adapt to deal with this properly, I think that there will be a lot of people calling for something in this deck's head, um, similarly to what they were doing with Summer Bloom, where it's like not even like everyone's doing well. But just like some people are able to do very well very consistently because the deck is like just kind of a notch above what everyone else is trying to do in modern. Hmm. Emrakul's bad. Like you don't want to play that card. So that's why this deck's better. <laughs> now, there are times where Emrakul has been very good for me. I if people watch, I played it at one open and um I was playing against Steve Mann. He's playing Affinity. And I just turned through Emrakul without combo. I've gotten through Sony, I've gotten through a uh, rest in peace. Uh, with Emrakul, where Pirate Spellbomb wouldn't have done anything. I've gotten... Uh, there's just some hands where you have natural Emrakul mana, because KCI is just such a huge mana boost, where the card is... Uh, you know, you're, you basically don't need any other combo pieces. Just Emrakul plus KCI, and you win. So it's, there are some times where Emrakul is really good. Um, Hangerback Walker has also been very good in similar situations, because Grix's Death Shadow, when that was the best deck, and it was everywhere, you couldn't combo through them, because they're like, Thought Seize You, Snapcaster, Thought Seize You, uh, Ceremonious Rejection, Stubborn Denial. Every card in their deck is basically a Demonic Tutor against you. They're all fantastic. Like, the worst card was Colgan's Command. <laughs> so, like, every card against you is very good. So, what you would end up doing, you would end up playing a Mirror Retriever blocking and then getting back Hangerback Walker and then just making, like, a 3-3 three, three or 4-4 four, four, and then you just kill them. Like, you, you attack for lethal. I did it against Daryl Ayers on camera where he uh, was playing Death Shadow and I was able to, I lethaled him twice with uh, Hangerback Walker. So there's like there's a lot of little it gives you more it gives you more options to win at the price of clunkiness and at the price of uh like you said less it's less lean it's it's very there there's those cards individually don't do a whole lot Sanctum of Ugin is a very low opportunity cost cuz it's a land who cares it really didn't matter like I played Blood Moon for god's sake my land it's irrelevant like my lands aren't exactly the uh the gateway to victory um but, you know, I, obviously, I think I told you before the show that Pirate Spellbomb, if I knew the combo better, I would have added it. And, and you know, not that I beat myself up about it, but the, the pros didn't know how it worked either. 
it was actually a guy on Twitter who said, not to be offensive, Shaheen, but I know you know this already, right? That's infinite. And I'm like, matter of fact, I don't. <laughs> not only do I not know, no one knows. Like, no one that we talked to, we had this whole conversation. It was just not something that comes up. Because it, it's like the old days where you're like thought cast with four artifacts. Use my star to produce blue. Now I have three artifacts, but it still counted the fourth artifact as your affinity cost. So you're paying costs all at once, so you're able to sack additional mana. And I know there's some viewers that are like, I don't know what he's talking about this, because I didn't know what I was talking about until it was like laid out to me. It's, it's, it's not an easy, intuitive thing to do, paying extra mana and costs for one mana artifact. So maybe that's something that could be typed in somewhere. But um, yeah, I think I agree. I think the deck was improved. I only thing I was kind of offended slightly about was like, <laughs> oh, your deck sucked. It was, it was, you know, pretty much it was way better. It's, and after any tournament, people improve decks, especially when they're done by like, uh, lower echelon pros like me that make them or improve them. <laughs> lower the echelon. The big shots are going to take these decks and they're going to make the necessary adjustments to win Grand Prix with them. And I, I love my position. I love making uh, these decks and doing that. Like, like another example would be um, uh, Drag- Esper Dragons. Uh, I wrote about it, I played it in, in the first open, it was legal. And my deck was horrific. It had two Dragon Lord Ojitai. It had like, Three cylinder scorn, like it was just it was built incorrectly, but it was the same pr- thought process. Two dragon lords, six uh, the six drop uh, cylinder. Um, so what they did, the pros did, they added four dragon lords, and then they played it and took the pro tour by storm. So you know they, I, I I've always enjoyed that um, to be on the ground level, ground floor, even though it's like a seven when I'm working on it, and they make it a ten. I'm fine with that. So thank you, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> I think this deck list is very close to final form. Like, I think this is <laughs> kind of where the, it, this is, it's similar to when, like, people were playing Amulet Bloom before, like, when it was fringe playable. Like, it was powerful. You could do crazy things. Wait, 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 wait. I think it was Sam Black and Mike and, and Justin Cohen that added, like, uh, Ancient Strings to the deck, which I don't think people were playing before. And all of a sudden, the deck went from, like, a 7 to, a, to like, a 13 on a, on a, on a scale of 10. I was like, okay, yeah, this, this, this makes the difference. This, this means I'm not, I'm very unlikely to fizzle. I'm going to get to do what I want to do. Lots. Okay, Derek, jump in here. You look like, I was going to say something funny, but now that you've rambled on for too long, it's not really funny anymore. I feel like the the chat is happy. I was going to say, would you say that this isn't even its final form? What? Was that to me or? I feel like no, no. Rob, Rob Fournier get this joke, and that's about it. Rob was like, "This isn't even close to its final form." And then no, I said, "I said I think this is the final form." Oh, and then you said, "But I thought you said it could get better." No. Oh, I don't listen to anything you said about <laughs> modern. <laughs> the deck's almost all four of like. This isn't even its final form. <laughs> Can I give you a? Uh... I'm going to give you a uh, first strike exclusive, okay? This is, there is one card that will be added to this deck. And I wasn't going to say anything, because I, I honestly, I've already tested it, and it's been, been busted. It's from the new set. Um, but I don't play, I'm playing KCI. But I'll tell you, okay? Actually, let's see if we can guess. What cyborg card from the new set is going to put this over the edge against Rest in Peace Sony Silence? It's a one-card combo to beat that entire strategy. 
I'll let you mull over for a moment. What, what color? Is it a color? It's a blue card. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd have to think about that. I'm not that familiar with every single card. Are you still right, I guess probably precognition field, I guess. Timer, right? time's up. All right, look at the card and take no, pre-co- Precognition field, right? No, 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 not that. That's not that card. No, look at that card. So for people that don't know what it does, it's a four oh, antiquity war. Yeah, yeah, it's a four mana saga card, and it um, it ancient stirrings the first time it comes in play, ancient stirrings again, and then it uh, tethered ultimates five fives, all your artifacts are five fives. So I was testing this against Sony Sans Rest in Peace as an alternative to uh, Aether Grid, as an alternative to trying to nature's claim down fifty enchantments when the hate comes, um, and when it resolves against these decks, it single-handedly just destroys them. It like puts in 25, 30 power total with all your cantrips, and you're able to just attack them for billions. And it's like one of those cards where it's it looks kind of goofy, but it's just by itself is a two-shot Ancient Stirrings by itself, plus a easy win condition. All you need is four artifacts. First Strike exclusive. KCI Cyborg deck. Feels like uh, sound logic. I, I think that card's very good uh, already. So yeah, that, that it seems nice. It seems like a nice way to uh, to hate on the haters. It's less silly than Blood Moon, um, and it's it, it fits like you said. It fits the theme of the deck. Like it, it, it follows the game plan. What's at worst if they don't have Sony Silence or Rest in Peace, and you're just drawing defense grids and other artifacts and just setting up that way. And they're and they're facing lethal like that one turn. So there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> it's uh, it does sound really good. Um, Rob, you, you want you have one last thing you want to say? Yeah, I mean, if only you could practice KCI online, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe a few of us could get good with the deck. <laughs> How hard is it, Shahid? I think it's one of the. Most challenging to start, but one of the easier decks to master. Um, I think it, it's a high bar, or excuse me, a low bar for skill in the deck. Um, as far as going off and comboing, the, the, the difficulty definitely goes with sideboarding and beating hate cards, which is kind of what the challenge of most combo decks are in any way. Right. So uh, it's a deck that's intimidating, so a lot of people won't play the card the deck. It's an intimidating deck to start when you watch it on camera or you just look at the list. You're like, a lot of these cards are very foreign to people. So even though if it gets big, I still don't think it'll be like the eggs deck from old modern where it's, it's you know, pieces get banned. It's too good. But it's it's a pretty intimidating deck to, to pick up. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's a lot. I think it's one of the few decks that are much scarier uh, visually than they actually are in practice. Right. Andy, let's go to you uh, to to wrap up a, a bit on GP Hartford. How did it go for you? Uh, what deck did you play? And was was the metagame what, what you expected? Well, I played uh, the Bring to Light Scapeshift deck that I did a video for for the First Strike Nation and also uh, told people on the podcast I was going to play. And the metagame ended up being pretty similar to what I thought, but modern is modern. So I played against some some pretty bizarre decks and i played against elves where they killed me 
on turn four with only one land in play through two removal spells. And I just modern is modern's a wild ride sometimes, and I caught the the poor end of the wild ride. <laughs> I got killed very, very fast by a couple decks, and all of a sudden I'm out of the tournament. So it didn't go well, but I think in retrospect, uh, my deck choice might might not have been as good as I thought. I thought that maybe I could spike with the the good the good like hate cards and the good uh, bullets that I was playing. But I think that uh, there's there's better ways to attack the format, and I'm I'm not sure what they are because modern modern is just so wide open and so wild with all as we see with this GP is all the decks have gotten incredibly linear again. So it seems weird that you give these tools, uh, Bloodbird Elf and Jace, to the the decks that want to interact, and all it does is it forces all the other decks to go hyper-linear and have no B plan and just go harder in their A plan because they can't, they can't do a bit of both anymore because of how powerful these cards are at interacting. So if you look at the top, uh, the top 16, there's only like two decks that are trying to interact with their opponent, like reasonably. Every other deck is just trying to execute their game plan by being extremely fast and try to be as resilient as they can. So that's kind of the story of Harper was like the goodbye interaction. <laughs> goodbye interaction. I like that. Um, what do you think about KCI uh, winning the tournament, Andy? Well, if you want to not interact and they're not interacting with you, this deck is certainly going to kill way more consistently than I would say most people thought at first. And it's going to kill faster than most people thought at first. And it has a deterministic kill, which is always extremely helpful when you're trying to go off in, in tournaments. So like, no longer is it as miserable as it, as it was trying to kill like by just drawing and slowly working everything out. Now you can actually just be like, look at this. This is a, I'm going to get infinite mana, draw my whole deck, you're, and then I'm going to kill you with this. And that adds some uh, some life quality of life to playing the deck in a real tournament. And I I agree with Rob that this is a you can see it becoming like every single card in the deck is moving towards the game plan, and every single card in the deck synergizes. It's like hyper synergy. It's it's just like Amulet Bloom, and it does remind me of that. I'll be honest. Even engineered explosives, which is its anti hate card, hate, like its hate card for other decks that are trying to hate on it, is just fine in the game plan. It acts like a Mox Opal well enough. <laughs> it's uh yeah yeah. It's crazy. Engineered explosives is just like the perfect card for this deck because it's like combats hate cards and is also just like you can use you can use it. Just keep going off. <laughs> uh, Rob, you see no reason not, not to play this outside of lack of practice at the GP? Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to watch how the meta moves over the next few weeks. It'll be The thing is, it's very difficult to get a sense of what's going on uh, with how powerful this deck is and how people are reacting, because this deck is not going to be really relevant on Magic Online, because it's so annoying to play in the final form. <laughs> uh, and so, like, I'm not sure, like, for GP Toronto, for example, like, I don't know what people are going to do, right? Like, are they going to look at the MTGO results and be like, oh, look, Humans is still the most played deck with, like, Tron and Jund, like, you know, trailing it by a little bit, and then, like, maybe Blue-White Control or something. I'm not sure exactly how the, the meta outlook looks. So maybe they'll just, you know, they'll keep it to Anger of the Gods and, you know, good removal spells and 
and hand disruption, and you can get away with, you know, a bunch of nice artifacts that people aren't backing. Tons of stony silences and rest in peace. Oh yeah, Hollow One, I guess that's the other deck that's uh, that's a big player in the format. I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be kind of weird. <laughs> Usually, like this deck would just rise to the top of Moto very quickly, and then the meta game would adjust, and then you'd be able to figure out if it's broken or if the meta can handle it. But you, Magic Online is not going to give you that data, so it's going to be kind of pretty difficult to tell. Okay, um, let's let's revisit. Well, we have Shaheen here. Um, let's revisit uh, an, <laughs> a topic. A couple of, when we last had him, where uh, we we were talking about Jace and Bloodbraid Elf coming back to the format, and uh, Shaheen and Rob were trying to reassure us that the sky wouldn't be falling and that it would be some some good and baddings. It would be good for the format, despite being the expensive sorcery master, that uh, it would take a while before anyone would be able to crack the Jace code. Um, Shaheen, what, how do you feel about like the format now? Like uh, Andy mentioned something like like what Efro tweeted today. I wonder if uh, anything could better highlight what modern is right now. Jace might be the most busted form of interaction ever printed, uh, while BBE is an absurdly good temple card uh, creature. Neither are doing well in modern because interacting with your opponent isn't part of the format. So where are we now, Sheen, in, in terms of the format? I mean, he's he's right. Um, it's it's I like it, it's done what I expected to do. I expected to come in and take forever to solidify the best deck. And I still think we we aren't there yet. Um, there's decks like you know uh, these linear, hyper linear, hyper aggressive decks really pigeonhole Jace strategies and make you like, well, I have to play all these supreme verdicts and all these wrath effects, all these removal spells because of boggles, because of um, Jun decks that have you know bloodbraid elves and can go wide because of you know these aggressive decks. So and then you see a top eight with just these combo decks just wipe the floor with them. So you're still going to have that problem. It's, it's better because of Jace, but you're still going to have that problem. I, I like the format where it's at. I, still, I, like, I played five leagues so far with Jace decks recently, and I five out three of them. I won three one and three two the other. So it's, I still think Jace decks are fine, and I'm still trying. Those are with different decks. I tried Esper. I tried Blue-White. I tried Jeskai. I went back to Blue-White. So I'm, I'm really, really trying to find the best fit for it. And I think the format. I agree with Eric that it's it's uh you know it's 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 a very huge interaction issue, but that's not new. <laughs> that's the way it's been since I remember. Like ever since they keep every time they ban cards, uh, people turtle into this hyper linear strategy to take them on the format. Uh, when they unban cards, there's a similar effect. And I agree with Rob uh, from earlier that and. Um, you know, it, from when we had our first discussion of the sky is not going to fall. I wasn't going to bust anyone's chops today on the show. I got my fun pre pre game, you know, before the show started. Um, you know, because you know the younger folks honestly have a different. They don't have the perspective on Jace that us old folks have. I mean, we know how busted was in standard. It says much is bitter blossom was busted in standard, but unplayable modern, just like uh, Thopter Sword was uh, ban worthy and old extended, but unplayable and modern. Yeah, I can go on and on. You can go on. The list goes on. Uh, there's a reason mod, like formats are not the standards, not like what it used to be. It's, it, it was a, it was a different world back then. So you, it's hard to compare old formats like standard to current modern. Um, I think if they unbanned Stoneforge mystic, that would be the straw 
that makes these mid-rangey JC control decks uh, escalate all the way back to the top. And I don't think they're going to do it. And I don't know if Rob wants to chime in on this. I don't think they're going to unban Stoneforge. I think it would be a huge mistake if they did. I'm a control player. I would love it if they did. It'd be fantastic. My dream come true. But I think it would be that like that would offset the balance, I think. And that would make things um it would bring interactivity back, but not not the best, I think, for the format. Yeah, I agree. I have to have this argument every time someone starts talking about modern unbannings, is that they're always like, Stoneforge Mystic is coming back. I can feel it. It's time for Stoneforge Mystic to come back. And it usually is from people that like to play like green white hate bears and like other types of types of aggro decks. And I'm like, they think that if they get Stoneforge, that somehow their deck will be relevant again. And really, <laughs> they don't understand. It's like your archetype will be completely yeah. dead. That's a death sentence. That's a, a mid range death sentence. If Stoneforge music comes back, death sentence. Then the sky is falling for mid range. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they've already said that they don't like um, cards that restrict future de- design space heavily. Stoneforge Mystic has already proven that it does that. It's the same reason why like Green Sun Zenith will never be unbanned. It's just like you just can't print some types of cards, so they don't want to be beholden to that. And the card's already busted because Batter Skull exists. It's not like, oh, maybe we'll print something. It's like they wait for the, themselves to print something that's broken, realize that they can't print any other interesting cards possibly in the same uh, I don't know, whatever, like card spectrum, and they're just like you know, get get rid of it. it. I don't know. It's the gameplay is also so repetitive with Stoneforge Mystic. Get Stoneforge yeah. Mystic, play Batter Skull, protect Batter Skull. It's the same. That would be like old standard. I mean, it's pretty much that. It's a one card combo um, that must be answered if the game ends. Not there's few decks out there that can race a Batter Skull. Like I played a, my first invitation on top eight. I raced a Progenitus on camera for my winning end with a Batter Skull token. Um, I mean, it's just like I played turn two Stoneforge Mystic. Got better going to play. Got Pretendus in play. I hit him. I ended up putting in a Vidui click for the last slice win go to 11, and it was over. So, like, that was from a one pretty much a one card to beat a uh, natural order with ease. So, I mean, it's just a, it's just a little bit too powerful. Um, and kind of to close out on Jace, it's one of those cards, again, it's a four-mana sorcery spell. And if you play modern... And if you play modern regularly, you know you knew in your your heart of hearts that this card is not going to disrupt the balance like that. It's not going to make it's not going to shake it up enough to make uh, archetypes invalid or combo decks tremble in fear. Or it's not going to do any of that stuff. It's still a four mana tap out card that then Matt Nass untaps and kills you. Then the boggles come after you with all these hexproof attributes. There's two hollow ones in play and a blood gas, and you're holding two Jaces. Like it's we knew the format. It hasn't changed, and it's just you know this picture Jace on turn four against eight out of ten decks, and you're like, man, I wish I was playing a different deck <laughs> comparatively. <laughs> uh, all right, Shane. Well, we're gonna let you go. We're gonna let you take care of your kid. So, uh, where <laughs> where should people reach out if they want uh, to tell you about their KCI testing results with your with your new tech? I am very responsive on Twitter, uh, not so much on any other platform. So just uh, tag me at ShaheenMTG. Um, I also respond in article comments too on it, StarCityGames.com. So um, you can look for either one. But Twitter is the best way to reach me. And, you know, any anything about KCI, I'm pretty well versed in it. Or if you want to talk about how Jace ruined the format, and we can, we can commiserate on that too if you want. 
All right. Thanks for coming on, as always, Sheen. No problem. Thanks, man. You guys have a good one. No, that was uh, good old Shaheen Sarani, good pal of mine. Uh, borrowed some tech and antiquities war, and I'm you know I, I had pulled it up. I think it might actually be a very sweet, sweet addition to the deck. Um, on while we're on the topic of uh, bannings, uh, someone in the nation, Chantal, wanted to ask. Um, do you think Watsi should provide data to support when they don't make changes, just like they do when they do make changes? Okay. Because when, when they announced it today, the article was very bare bones. It's just no changes. And when we see changes, it's a long, um, par- many paragraphs uh, behind the reasoning behind the changes. Um, Andy, would you want to see something more than, than just like a, a basically blank page? So it's like, it's a little twofold. So if they start talking about like, well, we considered these 11 cards to ban, it's going to cause everyone to freak out. But at the same time, they have done it before where they made no bans and then they explained it. If I recall when they didn't ban Sahili the first time, they wrote a whole article about how like all this mystery data that they had and they banned it again two days later, but (laughs) it was, uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it when there's so much talk about it, but like sometimes I don't think it's worth acknowledging all of the, like the Twitter talk about bannings. Cause then you're just going to be putting out a, a thing every week about why you're not banning death, right? Shaman yet. And all the other cards that could be banned that aren't banned yet. And I don't think they want to just open the door to be like, to have people know all the cards they're considering banning. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong on this and maybe it's a good thing for people to like have a watch list, but I think it's just going to be, it would be negative. If if it happened every single time, what do you think about that, Rob? Yeah, I, I agree that they they can't maintain doing that. It just so there's like some invisible text that's on the page that you're not seeing when it says no no changes to all formats, and that's uh, them also saying that they think that there's adequate deck diversity and there's no clear. Uh, best deck that is kind of far and away uh, above everything else. Now, that being said, like, I think Clan Ironworks will probably get there um, at some point this year, I, I assume. It might take a while. Like, it took quite a long time for Amulet Bloom to actually, like, have Summer Bloom be... I think they actually waited until they banned Twin, which was, like, right before the modern PT, to actually ban Summer Bloom. Um, I don't know if they would wait as long with this. It depends on like how many people actually jam this to success at large events. So if it doesn't happen for a while, then people won't be screaming about it. But probably as we come to the next modern PT, which is I think in the summer with the team PT or whatever, or near the fall, that that might cause um, might cause them to take some action just to not have like a very um one deck or very very uh one-sided uh format for the pt because the pros are all very competent right and if there's a clear best deck they're going to play it which is kind of like why uh splinter twin ended up getting banned too right um at that pt so yeah i don't know formats are good there's good de- deck diversity I, I don't i don't think that even kc should be banned today given the data they have but uh, definitely it's gonna get banned i'm pretty sure about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think they need to give the format some time. Like, there was a point in time where we were 
lots of people were screaming to ban Street Wraith or Death Shadow, and now Death Shadow is nowhere to be found. Like, the format is hopefully going to adapt, and KCI, while being extremely potent and extremely consistent, it, there is some cards that it uh, it is sort of cold to. I understand it does have Nature's Claim, but we can see how people react now because I think to, like today or yesterday is the day that it was put on the map as like this deck might just be busted. You have to have you have to prepare for this, and you can see like Lantern kind of got pushed out when people realized that. So maybe it could happen with KCI as well. It'll sh- really show how strong the deck is if it survives the next phase though uh, yeah i agree with you and uh lots of exciting stuff because just like last episode or the episode before when i was on i was kept talking about how it was hollow one and and humans just creeping up and, and popping up everywhere and now rob strongly thinks kci is gonna move into that number one spot Pretty interesting developments. Um, let's let's jump into a bit of standard to get some Derek input because he's been uh, still grinding on the MTGO uh, circuit in the streets of MTGO. And um, someone in the nation wanted us to talk about the new deck that's, uh, well, I don't know how new it is, but it's now the number one deck on uh, MTGO Goldfish in the standard metagame, Blue-Red God Pharaoh's Gift. Um, what... What has led that to, to pop up to the number one spot, Derek? Uh, just the Grand Prix results. Um, I remember the night of the Grand Prix Seattle that uh, it had three copies in top eight. I jumped in a league and played it four out of five times. And then I jumped in another league and played it three out of five times. And then I jumped in a league the next day and played it three out of four times, four out of five times. Uh, it was just everywhere. And to the point where I, I bought four different decks, had five decks in my collection, and I was like, okay, we're trying this one. Okay, we're trying this one. Okay, we're trying this one. Okay, we're trying this one, trying to beat it, um, just based on their regular configuration. And then I went through each deck list and just put in six different sideboard cards to try to beat it. Um, eventually, after playing it about 20 times, I realized that the, the deck has a fail rate, and it is the fact that the the concentration of the cards are really bad. And if you don't like, uh, like have a high concentration and God throws give somebody really early with no interaction, the deck does nothing. And it's probably the best linear deck right now, but just like mono red or just like snake, you put in six or eight sideboard cards and they can't win. So yeah, the deck's pretty bad. I think. Well, so I, I'm still. I think maybe our listeners would be confused by that as, as I am. Like you, you, it sounded like you were trying so hard to beat it with all these different iterations, and now your conclusion is that the deck is bad. Yep. Same thing with um, <laughs> like Rob, help me out here. <laughs> it's like, like I know it sounds ridiculous, but it, it's true. The deck is really bad. Uh, it's almost unplayable. And did you play would, the deck? Did you play with the deck at all, Derek? I played it for a league, yes. I also played with it for a league. And yeah. I, I've played almost every other deck in standard because uh, I thought I was going to be playing the standard slot at GP Toronto. But I've been told by my team that uh, they don't want to play moving to modern. Okay, <laughs> so no one else is playing standard. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but in my standard testing, it definitely felt like the deck that got to do its thing the most and not care about what your opponent's doing. I think that uh, yeah, yeah. if you're a competent player playing another tier one deck against a player that's not very good at navigating a difficult game state with a deck like Blue Red Godfrey's Gift, then yeah, you should definitely be able to beat them, right? Because they're going to make like a minus 2%, minus 5% that's, play. That's, that's not what I'm saying. That's... You think the deck's just like flat out bad? Because the deck's actually just insane. I, I, I killed people like on turn four routinely from yeah, yeah, the, 20 with like you can, six you can kill people on turn four with snake like the, the, you can yeah, kill you, people on turn four with mono red you can win turn four with snake if your opponent doesn't interact at any point along the way if they interact at any point on any turn you what, don't get to kill them with snake. what cards what cards do you need to win on turn four you just need you need a god you need a god pharaoh's gift in play. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So you just you just bring in cards that beat god pharaoh's gift in play. There's like ten of them in the format. You play them on turns one through four, and the blue red deck basically can't win as long okay, as you. So what what card are you playing on turn one that beats god pharaoh's gift? Oh, do you want me to go through my sideboard of my five O deck that just got posted today? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, Dead Eye Tracker, Duress, Negate, Dispossess, Doomfall, Golden Demise. Yeah, I think, this, I think Dispossessed is, is, like, probably the best answer. But It, but it the, is the best answer. But the thing is, like, if you don't draw it, or you draw... Like, it's it's one of those cards where, like, you have to have it, and you're not playing four Dispossessed. Are you not insane? No, you, you play two. You can't play four. There's, there's like, four flex spots in your sideboard at any moment. So I, I, think, I think that's fine, and I think you get to do that right now, because there's, like, an inflated... Um, Count on how many people are playing Blue Red Godfather's Gift because it's no, also like, like a super. There's not even to. like it's it's one in every one in every five right now. Maybe there's like uh, that's has, very high. No, no. So, but like one in every five is also playing Blue Black mid range. One in every five is playing a Green Red Monsters deck. I'm sure you're about to name more than five decks. Saying one in five, continue. That that like when I play a league, <laughs> when I play a league on average, like if I were to name five decks, it would be Snake. Blue black mid range, God Pharaoh's gift, green red monsters, and some white go wide tokens deck. And those okay. are like the five so like the other deck, the other deck that that like won the GP and the one that won the last PTQ. There's like nowhere to be found. What decks are you talking about? Mono red and, and some salt eye Adonis climb deck. That 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 would be snake. Did I not say snake? I don't think so. Maybe you did. I'm pretty sure I said snake. <laughs> Okay, so but but like you're okay. not playing against mono red. Like I just I feel like if you're playing twenty percent Godfrey's gift, that's like no no. no but like it's it's not like it's not like okay. I mean, in the leagues I was playing, I was also playing against it two to three times. Right, Probably. right. Like I've been playing since the deck won, like made the finals of the Grand Prix to this week, which I think has been what two weeks now, ten days, and like there's definitely been a spike and then a fall off. And one of the reasons is the deck is difficult to play, and the other reason is people are adjusting. Um, and I think when people adjust, it makes the deck dramatically worse, less consistent, and you have to be very competent with the deck to know what you're doing. Um, yeah, so. I, I agree. I agree. The deck's not easy to play, but right. I don't think there's any other deck in standard where, like, if your opponent doesn't have the answer on turn five, they're almost always dead. The Scarab God. One hundred percent. You ever played with the Scarab God on turn five? You ever untapped with the Scarab God? It's not that great, actually. The game is over. The game is over. 
All right, all right, all right, guys. It's literally over. Um, I, I do want to get Eddie's. Eddie had a good uh, chat line. Dex bad. Bring six cyborg cards for it. I love that. Um, it also, I guess it's also reaching popularity uh, online. We've mentioned this reason a lot of times for, for why certain decks are, are hitting that popularity. And when you look, when you scan across the, the grid of decks, it's definitely one of the more affordable ones. Um, and you just, what, what do you think about, uh, give, give us a final couple of words on, on these guys arguing here. Well, I would like to say that it's pretty obviously a good deck. <laughs> it's uh it's definitely a good deck. Can it be hated on? Sort of. Like, it's, it's B game plan is also pretty good. And not every deck gets to play a bunch of good hate cards. And, like, a Braid's very good. Dead Eye Tracker is very good. But other than that, it, like, the hate cards aren't insane. And the fact that they're playing a bunch of little creatures and some, like, people are trying to, like, play Negates to beat this deck, that's not, that's not going to help. Duress isn't going to help enough. And, it it has a good beatdown plan that it, that's real. And, like, people can sideboard into creatures. They can, like, sidestep what you're trying to do with your sideboard. And I think that it's obviously powerful. I, I, I can't believe someone would say it's a bad deck, but here we are. I, I think, like, if, if, if this standard format wasn't dead, <laughs> right? And people were still putting energy and trying to figure out how, how to next level this metagame, while staying with blue red, like for example, if you have a PPTQ like this upcoming weekend, I think that is it. Says illegal? No, it's it's gone, right? It's the, it'll be the pre-release. It's a it's a pre-release this week. Okay, so yeah, so this format's actually dead. But let's imagine it wasn't. I feel like putting something like four Hazaret in the sideboard is probably like a reasonable. They're actually already doing that. Okay, I good. But, then it makes sense to do that. I guess it's, it's not four. I think it's only two. And they're they're turning into uh, an aggro empty your hand deck real quick because people are obviously bringing duress and when you empty your hand with a bunch of one drops and two drops and you just play a hazard on four the game's over. Seems right? good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think I think if you if you say this deck's good, then you actually just don't understand the format as a whole, uh, simply because it's the deck is bad. Like, right. Yeah, it's, it's only really helps bad. like. The wow. most, it's the most winning deck on Moto, but it's terrible. <laughs> it's never, terrible. I've never heard a stronger argument. Do you, do you want a good argument? Uh, you you used half your sideboard, and you're probably just fifty percent against it. That's what we. Heard. Okay, okay. So the reason why the deck is bad is because it's a linear strategy. Oh man! So okay. good, uh, Derek. No, you, you don't need to say any more. We get it. I I will say with very high certainty that this deck will continue to be in the top tier of the format after Dominaria comes into play. And so will and Blue Black Red Range. And like no, but likely this deck will be very close to being annoying. It'll be it, it'll it, be that good. It's not good. It is not good. When it's in a known quantity, it is not playable. Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll see. There's some sweet new cards in, in Dominaria that help this deck out. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe help it get into the trash. Oh, we <laughs> glad to have you back. Uh, <laughs> I argue by insulting others. <laughs> I tried to argue with you, and you said you don't want to argue anymore. All right, we, we, got, we got to move on. We got to move on. Um, it, it, in the nation, lots of people wanted us to talk about 
Dominaria. Um, Rob had the idea of having these guys each individually send me uh, rankings of some of the cards uh, by color uh, of what they think. But before we well, try to see how this is going to work, <laughs> Rob, uh, let's answer Kyle Smirchik in, in the chat. Has in the group had some concerns that one of the new cards, while Shaheen brought a new card to amp up KCI, there is a card that's going to have a huge impact. It's going to be played in many sideboards, in my opinion, Damping Sphere. Okay, Damping Sphere, I'm going to read it out for, for people who don't know what it is, is a two-mana artifact. Uh, if a land is tapped for two or more mana, it produces uh, colors instead of any other type and amount. Each spell a player costs, uh, cast costs one more to cast for each other spell that player has cast this turn. Effectively uh, nerfing Storm when it comes into play and also allows you to play a turn two to stop a turn three Karn. They can't go natural Tron. Um, so what do you think of its impact in modern, Rob? And um, does it maybe help power down KCI's potential? So I... I think that it definitely helps decks like Chund have like a little more annoying of a like some interaction with um, with a deck like Tron if they want it um, or Storm. It's so it's just like it's just a piece you can put out there and like you know make it so that they have to interact with you while you're beating them with like a Tarmogoy for a Bob or stripping away their hand or something like that, which is fine. Like I don't know, is it better than Fulminator Mage? Eh. Maybe, maybe not. But it's like something that any deck can play if they want some game against Tron or Storm. From KCI's perspective, I don't really think it does much because they're like already expecting a hate card that they need to bring in Nature's Claim or Engineered Explosives for. And I think like the only thing they really actually care about is Stony Silence because that turns off EE. Otherwise, they can like EE away basically any other card that could be annoying for them, right? So, um... It, it might slow them. Like if you have a very proactive deck that is pushing the game forward in a way where you can like slide this in there while still putting on pressure without kind of like disrupting your, uh, your own clock, then I don't know, maybe it's okay. Cause they definitely have to take a turn off of it, but like probably if they EU for two, that's going to be bad for you anyways. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's not great against KCI, but I think it's reasonable for a lot of people to be able to pick this up and kind of check Tron a little bit. But, I mean, I don't think that it goes in a control deck sideboard against Tron. That's not really going to work. You need to be, like, uh, I don't know. Like if you were a deck like Mono Red and you cared and somehow Tron could beat you, like, this is a deck that kind of, that, that strategy you want to play. Not that Mono Red's bad against Tron. It just destroys Tron. But I'm just saying, like, that, that style of, like, get him deck uh, is the kind of, kind of deck that wants. So maybe, like, Bant, Knight of the Reliquary, something stupid like that. <laughs> All right. Andy, are you excited about uh, this card being introduced in the modern metagame? Yeah, I, I like it because it only punishes people who are trying to do like unfair stuff for the most part. And the fact that it's colorless means that anyone can have access to it to, to, almost regardless of what their deck is. So the only way that it might be worse than other cards uh, for KCI is that it's more likely to show up as another card that they're virtually cold to until they deal with it. So it might get more played. So there might be more hate cards out there because this card uh, serves a good use in a whole bunch of different matchups. So there might be more copies in like every deck might just have this or like 
most decks will have this, for example. I'm not sure that that's the case, but if they're looking for a hate card, this at least checks like a bunch of those linear decks boxes, like get those de- get that deck out of here. Now I could have three of these, and I have three cards against all these decks, and it's very good. So I think it might show up in some pretty reasonable amount of numbers, and I think it's a good card to print for Modern because it only punishes the mean, the mean people, and it is good for the, the homeboys at home playing mid-range. All right, that, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I want to ask us if we thought the price points for the new card and the new mocks would hold. Uh, Rob already answered about the mocks, thinking that the mocks probably is just that high because of the name. Uh, let's see. Let me read the card quickly. Um, mocks Amber, zero to cast, legendary artifact. When you tap it, add one mana of any color among legendary creatures and planeswalkers you control. Not that exciting for you, right, Rob? So I think the card will see play uh, in some form or another, likely in standard. Maybe after some time it would see play in modern, or maybe there's some some weird build uh, that allows it to be okay. Um, I always forget it doesn't. The card has to be historic. No, no, it's creature or planeswalker, right? That's what turns the color on. For of any color among legendary creatures and planeswalkers you control. Yeah, so like not not hitting enchantments really kind of like <laughs> takes it down a step because like Legion's Landing could be a card where like okay now now you can see like this has real applications or search for a sconter or something like that right but given that it doesn't do that I think. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's probably a deck somewhere in the format that can utilize this card, but I don't think this is like everyone's looking for four of them, and it's in multiple tier one decks, which it would need if it has a, uh, whatever, like a forty or fifty dollar price point, which I think it does. It does now. Wow, I, I didn't know. I hadn't been paying attention to uh, the prices in Karn. Is that uh, currently selling for forty four ninety nine on face to face games? Um, but that, that card is the one I'm super excited about. Um, when we first talked about it on the show, I just think it's it's really good just because of the pseudo protect itself because it goes up to such a high loyalty once it uh, jumps on the board. And I'm, ex- I'm really excited to seeing and playing with it once it finally uh, becomes legal in about two uh, less than two weeks. So can't wait to put this in play. Uh, forty four ninety nine. Not a financial expert at all, but uh, I see definitely see the, this as one of the chase mythics, uh, right, Rob? You, you would agree? Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, it's going to be inflated, obviously. But if you want them right at the, you pay you pay the premium, right? If you want them right at the start of the format. But yeah, I'm pretty sure this card will sit in the twenty to thirty dollar range, and then it'll get printed in some standard challenger deck. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Um, as I scan through uh, these three lists that you guys have submitted to me, lots of similarities, actually. Um, we've got Derek that either I have an old version or it's rather incomplete with no blue cards in his, in his list. Uh, both you and Andy, Rob, Rob and Andy, thought uh, that one of the more exciting um, black rares would be Josu, uh, Josu Vess. Uh, Lich Knight. Uh, Andy, I'll, I'll let you talk about this card. Um, well, actually, I'll read what it does for our listeners who don't have a website pulled up. So, We're talking uh, about Limited, by the way. I don't know. 
I forget if you mentioned that, but <laughs> these are lucky. These cards are in the context of uh, your pre-release. <laughs> okay. So we'll just jump on and off uh, as we wrap up the show. Uh, the Lich Knight is a four-five uh, for four, two black, two colorless legendary creature. Zombie Knight with a kicker, a six mana kicker, five colors, one black. Uh, it's a four-five menace, and when it comes into play into the battlefield, if it was kicked, create eight. 2-2 two, two black zombie knight creature tokens with menace. So uh, if you're able to cast it for 10 mana, you get 8 additional 2-2s two with it. Um, yeah, take it away, Andy. <laughs> well, so it's, a, it's like a split card. So the first half of it is a 4-mana four 4-5 four, menace, which is already like very good. It's going to be very good and limited. If, that was, if that's all it did, it would be very good. But it also just has this split cost that if you pay 10 mana, your opponent is just absolutely dead next turn. They are for sure dead. Like, they don't even come into play tapped. <laughs> they can't even kill you. They also have menace. I the know. The tokens have menace. <laughs> oh, my. This, this card is... So, I like that 10 is a lot of mana. 10 is a ridiculous amount of mana for limited. But the fact that if you get to 10 or you get in that position, it's just over. The game's over. You win the game. And I think it's, like, not too overpowered because 10 is so much. But just the fact that the 4-5 version of it is also just very powerful. You can't ask for much more out of your rares in Limited. <laughs> to have, like... It's like the... It's like the, the I forget. I forget what there was, but there's uh, old cards that like you were cheap. Oh yeah, the bestow. So you play these cards that are like fine on their own, but if you have more mana, they're just bonkers. This card, well, its its face value is insane. A four or five menace is very good and limited. It's gonna win you the game most of the time, but ten mana game over. I agree with that. What what excited Derek more is uh in the rare black slot is right of Belzenlock. I think I'm, I'm terrible at pronouncing cards. Four mana, two black, two colorless. Uh, it's a saga card. And uh, in, I guess, step one and two, you create two zero one black cleric creature tokens. In step three, you create a six six black demon creature token with flying trample in the beginning of your upkeep. Sacrifice another creature. If you can't, this creature deals six damage to you. So basically, you're going to have four of these dirty zero ones to be able to feed into the six six demon. Pretty powerful rare, I think, Derek. Yeah. Um, when I was looking at the the spoiler list, I was thinking about constructed first and then limited second, and I felt in constructed this is the kind of card that would go in maybe a token based strategy. Um, but in limited, it's also very good. You jam it on four by turn six, you have a six six. That has to be answered, and enchantments are very difficult to beat in limited normally. Uh, it also makes a pretty good uh, like race uh, point. So like you have a bunch of zero ones, and then you get a giant six six flyer. So it makes it makes gameplay very difficult. Kind of uh, makes your like pushes the pressure on your opponent, um, and that's exactly what I want in a rare. It may not be as flexible as the the Josu, but I, I think it might actually be better. On its on turn four through nine, like turn four through nine, I'd much rather have this enchantment. <laughs> I don't know this, so I don't know. Would you four or five menace on four is pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, 
you're playing other creatures in your deck, right? It's not like you're just playing this random enchantment and 39 swamps. I mean, maybe you are. I don't know what, what some people are into, but... The thing... So, I think Rite of Bells and Lock is good. I think it's very good. In fact, as I was reading through the Black Rares on Mythic Spoiler, I was like, oh, Demon Lord Bells and Lock. This is almost assuredly the best Black Rare. And then I got down to Phyrexian Scriptures, and I was like, oh, no. This is probably the best Black Rare. This card's insane. And I was like, oh, no, wait. Rite of Bells and Lock? That might be better than Phyrexian Scriptures, <laughs> actually. Uh, and it just gets more and more insane as you go through the list. So I definitely think the card is good. The only reason that I decided to pick Josu Vess over it was that when you play Josu Vess, it does what you want it to do the turn you play it 100% of the time. So, like, on curve, it's great. At any point in the game, a 4-5 menace is good. Red of Bells and Lock is only good turn two turns after you play it. So, like, if I need a 6-6 flyer now on turn four just to continue my beatdown plan, um, it doesn't do that. And I know you get some tokens, but, like, you can get into a weird spot where, like, because you played this thing that just makes a bunch of thralls, you have to start blocking with them, and then at some point they chump block with a couple Pegasus, and now you're taking six. Uh, not that it's going to happen every time, it's just, like, those are kind of the factors why I put Joseph S. kind of just one notch slightly above it. Although I think, for the most part, all the black rares are completely bonkers. The power of them is, is very high, especially compared to the other colors. It's crazy. <laughs> um, let's let okay, let's let uh, focus on rares because they seem to a lot of them just seems to be powerful. Let's just jump uh, on something that you guys might have a disagreement on, and that would be uh, white uncommon. Um, Again, they're all so powerful, and I think an argument can be made either way. Uh, for Andy's case, Andy's excited about being able to open up Seal Away, which is sort of one of those like pacifism type effects you, you see in every set. Uh, same mana cost, uh, two to play, one white, one colorless enchantment. It's a flash one. When Seal Away enters the battlefield, exile target, tap creature and opponent controls, until Seal Away leaves the battlefield. Pretty sweet removal spell. And uh, whereas Rob, for his part, he put on on Sarah's Wings, which is the four mana legendary enchantment, one white, three colorless enchant creature. Enchanted creature has legendary, is legendary, gets plus one, plus one, and has flying, vigilance, and lifelink. I mean, it turns any... <laughs> any creature you have into an absolute bomb. Um, I mean, I don't... Yeah. How, how do you choose between the two, Rob? Uh, so this was actually the decision I was trying to make. Um, I think that the aura is better only because it basically says, like, if you don't have an answer right now, you're dead. Like, it's probably not much more than two hits with whatever you put this on to you to be, for you to be in a position that's, like, almost unlosable. Whereas, like, Seal Away is just, like, very good. Like, definitely it is very, very good. I had no issue taking Seal Away first. It's a very efficient re removal spell. Assassinate at instant speed. Um, but, I don't know. Some of these auras are just insane. And this one is just, like, if your opponent doesn't have a removal spell, they're just dead. They're 100% dead. <laughs> There's just no racing this card. <laughs> it's just crazy. I don't know. This, make, this makes Mark of the Vampire look like, r real, real bad. Squire's Devotion look real, real bad. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I have to agree. It reminds me of Mark of the Vampire, but another level with the with the added flying and vigilance. Also, if you put these two cards in the arena together, since your guy gets vigilance, they can't flash, or what is it called? Seal away. They can't seal away it, so that's like obviously the tiebreaker. Tiebreaker. <laughs> How do they do head to head? Derek ended up putting Sarah Angel. Um, is that even close to being it, it, uh, with these other two cards, uh, uh, Andy? You can't seal away it. It's one on one. It's going to win in the arena, but uh, so. I think Sarah Angel is is good, but it's not as good as it used to be. Like people like aren't playing like air elementals these days, and those like those two used to be on a similar ish power level. And I think Sarah Angel is just going to be very very good, but not as good as uh, Seal Away, in my opinion. I'd rather have this bomb removal spell, especially. I think there's a lot of pretty good flyers in other colors, and it's a lot of mana. And I like to be really mana efficient. And sometimes you can get beat down by decks, and there's good bounce spells. So I'm I'm not really sure. Sarah Angel, very good. Don't get me wrong; it's obviously very good uncommon. But uh, when when you force me to pick, I I pick Seal Away, and I still would. <laughs> Derek. Uh yeah I uh I didn't exactly like I maybe it, I, there's something wrong with me, but I can't actually tell the difference between the uncommon and common set symbol really. So I was reading all these white cards and I'm like, I don't know if these cards are common or uncommon. And then I'm like looking at these things. And I'm like, ah, oh, like I can't really focus. So I, I did think seal away was really good. I looked over on Sarah's wings, didn't really realize that was there. Um, the reason I chose Sarah angel is because I entirely differ- disagree with you on your uh, air elemental analysis. Like I think air elemental was one of the best blue um, commons in the last set and continually now like oh it was an uncommon yeah like still like i still think it was it's like a four four five for five with vigilance is really good and limited and even if you look at all the other uncommons like it goes uh maybe on sarah's wings then the two mana removal spell and then you have sarah angel like maybe triumph or gerard is better but like every other card that's white uncommon is just like not at that level right like it takes a lot of synergy where you need other cards to go good with it um i think sarah angel's probably just best one of the best white face value cards in the set at uncommon um let's see if there's any other questions um we're probably like if there's anybody with specific questions on specific cards we can answer them in the nation in uh, Facebook group. Outside of that, let's see if I have one more that we want to do. I mean, we sort of mentioned it. I, I guess a, a final word on this. Does Boggles make for bad gameplay? Rob, what's your quick answer to that? I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> I don't think the deck is usually very good. It just happens to be very good when there's a lot of, like, creature-based aggro and uh, mid-range decks that are that are in the format, which was the case, I guess, even up to the the last PT or sorry, the last GP, which I think will change a little bit going forward. This the landscape of the format will change. So I, I think Boggles is going to fall quite a bit out of favor uh, going forward. 
but I think it's fine. It's like, you know, it, it gives those people some hope, right? Those people are just like, I always play Boggles, and they're like wrong like 99% of the time, and then they hit the lottery like one GP, and they just can't get there. <laughs> so that's cool. People that play Affinity are like that too. <laughs> Oof. I mean, they, they show like, you know, people were freaking out because in, uh, was it after, I don't know if it was late day one or early day two where they're like, oh my God, it's a Boggles mirror. Like they're both undefeated and people are like, what's going on? Why, why are these the top two decks? And uh, I mean, it gets to play, it does get to play white, uh, the powerful white cyborg cards that, that neuter a lot of the strategies. Um, and if you draw Sony Silence against KCI, you know, it, it has access to that. And then it plays like, uh, I don't know if the stock list play, still plays random suppression fields, uh, or some of them play, um, you know, pre-board white ley lines and stuff like that. So they, they have all these like powerful white cyborg cards that just really host certain decks. And, uh, but does it make for bad gameplay? Is it bad for the game, Andy? I don't think it's bad for the game. So it is extremely frustrating to play against Boggles when you don't have uh, like any sort of game plan against it, but everyone sort of does. Like for the most part, everyone has some cards that are fine against Boggles. Like most decks aren't just cold to it. They have like an avenue to victory. But the thing is when you do lose to it and you have these lightning bolts and fatal pushes in your hand, it gets stained in your brain about that time. You couldn't kill that little stupid one one you don't forget that you don't forget that feeling of your i've got six removal spells and i can't kill this slippery boy so like you're you're gonna remember that and that's what happens people remember how crappy it feels to lose to buggles but (laughs) it's like as honest as it gets for this uninteractive like deck like it's not that fast it's it's beatable it can't do a goddamn thing against the combo deck Get your hollowed burials now while while they're cheap, just in case the deck does pick up some steam and stay well, stay relevant. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that that will do for most of our show. So I'm just gonna give a quick shout out to our first strike producers: uh, Jonathan Good, Cal Smirchik, Jay Thomas, Eden, Sasha Papel, Derek Pite, Matthew Kelly, Adrian Richardson, everyone in the nation for uh, allowing us to continue uh, with everything. I think people have requested uh, if we can have some cheat sheets like we did last time for the last set. I'm going to look into that to have those nice uh, PDF or JPEG files uh, for people who just want a quick overview uh, before their pre-releases upcoming weekend. And of course to join, just go to patreon.com slash first strike, $10 a month to just join, participate in the nation. And it contributes to of course, hosting the cast, the the website and everything uh, around that. Um, Anything else I want to talk about? Not really. We, we, we got some cool KCI tech. We had Rob back. Brian has vowed to come back for the next episode uh, to, to guest, I guess, to be our special guest. Famous for the game podcast. Um, yeah, what, what else is there? Um, shout out to everyone in chat. Uh, leave us a thumbs up if you enjoyed this episode, especially you. Zylog, always happy to see you. and. Uh, of course, my evil twin in the chat as well. Um, yeah, that's it for us. And uh, until next time, hope you guys win with uh, Blue Red God Pharaoh's Gift. So we'll see you next Monday. Bye, guys. Bye.